Advent, again, is this whole period of time where we're waiting for the arrival. We're waiting for the coming of what is most longed for. In, in the deepest, most meaningful, eternal way possible. Because so, Advent is waiting for our Savior, for the Messiah, for Jesus to come. Like that song that we just sang, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And I think that those are not just beautiful and even meaningful words right now. Those are Advent words. Those are words of us and the people of Israel before us longing for and waiting for the hope that we need. And they're even sort of relatable words when it comes to the moment of time that we're in right now. As we are waiting, we're waiting for deliverance, for rescue, for healing, for our land to be kind of renewed again. And we have that sort of a glimpse even now into what they were feeling. Where what the people of Israel though, just feeling that at such a greater and deeper level of longing for the Savior to come. And so... This Christmas season here at Calvary, we remember that it's this period of waiting. And it's waiting for Christmas. It's waiting for the gifts that we would receive. And this season, we are going to be all about talking about the gift of compassion. You might think, like, why? Why would we just talk about compassion? What's the whole deal with compassion as something to talk about? at Christmas. And so I want to be able to help explain that. I want us to understand and really enter into that because compassion is something that we need. It's something that we feel and it's something that we give. We, we need to be able to receive compassion ourselves so that we can then release that out to a weary world. Because the whole thing about compassion is that God sees our need. God in the heavens, seeing uh, us pining and longing in our sin, in our error, we are longing. And he sees that. And the whole thing about compassion that's different than maybe just God from on high sort of zapping away our sin or something is that compassion means that God would come in and suffer with us and relate to us in that kind of way. And so we want us to be able to feel that and understand that, the richness of that this season. And so today is all about how compassion is needed, how we need compassion. But before we dive into that and this verse in Isaiah, let's think about just what is compassion. Now, our friends and uh, these amazing people over at the Bible Project have really helped me, to, I think, to learn a lot about compassion. So I'd even just encourage you, if you've not been watching some of their videos or listening to podcasts, reading articles, like such a great resource in the Bible Project. And something that uh, I learned from them was even this, in Exodus 34, 6. This is a verse where God himself describes himself. God describing himself to Moses. It says, the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth. And so the very first word that God uses to describe himself is this, 
compassionate. And so that seems pretty meaningful to me of the very first word used by God to describe himself is compassionate. So I want to learn about this. I want to know what this means. So uh, in the Hebrew, because that's what the Old Testament was written in, uh, this word rachum, rachum is this word for compassion. And sometimes you see it um, translated as deeply moved. And that's even a good way for you to be able to understand a a word in the Hebrew or the Greek a little bit better is to be able to see how is this translated in different verses. And so this word rachum is compassion or deeply moved. Um, And then, so there's this other word, rachamim is the word for compassionate. So these are kind of fun to say. So I encourage you, say rachum just wherever you are, rachum. There you go. Good. Hopefully you're getting a little bit of that, that good sound in there. But um, this, this word kind of, it, what's I think one of the more interesting things about it is that it shares this root. It's very similar word to rechem, which rechem is this Hebrew word for womb. And so it invites us to imagine a mother's tender feelings toward this child within her that is being formed and growing within her womb and that kind of love and that kind of emotion. And so this is a very emotional word. But it's not just a a word about emotion. It's also a word about action. Because you, you think about Uh, A certain story even, this story of Solomon and these two women that had this, that both these women said, this baby is mine. There was this one baby and two women were arguing, saying, no, this baby's mine. And Solomon, the king, was was known as the wisest person that's ever lived. And he, in, in his way of trying to decide this case, said, all right, why don't you just chop the baby in half and give one baby or give one half to one woman and the other half to the other woman. And it says that the real mother was deeply moved, rachum. And she says, no, 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 no. Give the baby to the other woman because like she doesn't want that baby to be hurt. And that's how Solomon knew that she was the real mother. Even this story kind of naturally, or this word sort of naturally makes me think about the story of Mary and Jesus, of Mary traveling with the Savior of the world within her womb, and he is being formed, and she has this love for him, and it is God's compassion about to be released into the world. But as I said, it's not just emotion, it's action, that God hears the cries of his people, and he doesn't just be moved and then just sort of sit back and do nothing. No, God hears the cries of his people and then delivers them and heals them and and helps them. When the Israelites were hungry in the desert, God was compassionate towards them and gave them food. God delivered them from other nations that were attacking and destroying them. And so that's part of why I think God begins by describing himself as compassionate. And then we go to Isaiah, this book of Isaiah, where Isaiah is full of prophecies about the Messiah, about Jesus to come, about his birth, and about who he will be. And there's this really interesting verse, Isaiah 49, 15. It says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Can she have no 
Rachum on the son of her Rechem, right? It's all right, right there together. That, of course, this nursing mother, this mother nursing her child has this love and compassion and is moved by her child. And God says, even these may forget, but I will not forget you, says God. That God has an even deeper love, compassion, and action for us as he thinks about us as the children of him. That we are his children in that way. And then further into Isaiah, there are these prophecies that speak to of the suffering that the Messiah will go through to deliver us. And that's really what compassion is all about, as we'll get through this a little bit even more. But this is the, the Greek word here, oiktirmas, is the Greek word for compassion. Compassion, pity, mercy. We even see it translated deeply moved again. And so you see these stories of Jesus being deeply moved by the needs of his people. And he is moved to enter even into death itself to rescue and redeem a world that is in sin and error pining. And, um, and then we are even called to be compassionate as our Father is compassionate. That in 2 Corinthians 1.3, we see that God is the Father of compassion and we want to live out the way he lives. Now, another kind of cool thing that I just recently really learned about this word is the Latin of this word, that this is a Latin word, okay? It has two parts, calm and passion. Now, if you don't know, passion means suffering. That's why even the movie or the play is called The Passion of the Christ, because it's about his crucifixion. It's about his suffering. So passion equals suffering, to suffer, and calm means with. So this word means to suffer with or suffer together. And I think that's why it's the perfect kind of word to be thinking about at Christmas, because this other Christmas word, Emmanuel, means God with us, right? We sing this, Emmanuel, God with us. And it's not just God with us hanging out. God came to be a human being and to suffer with us. He knows what it's like to be betrayed, to feel physical pain, to mourn. He knows all of it. He knows the simpler things, probably to stub his toe or to be frustrated when he's trying to fish or something like that. Like he understands us, but he suffers with us. And so therefore this birth of Christ, his incarnation when God became flesh, is the ultimate display of God's compassion. And so hopefully it kind of just gives you a deeper sense of what compassion means and why it's so important when we think about this moment of Christmas. So why do we need it? Compassion needed. Why do we need compassion? It takes me again back to that song that we just sang, Oh Holy Night. Maybe probably best Christmas song ever is my, my hunch. I think if we did a poll, it would definitely be best Christmas song. And these words, again, long lay the world in sin and error pining that we are needing, waiting, needing this forgiveness, needing to be redeemed and delivered, all of that, because we have sin, we have error, we have done wrong, both like as humanity in general, but also as individuals. And so we need saving. We need compassion from God. And these biblical prayers, Psalm 51, 1, 
Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. That we need to be saved. We cry out for God to save us. But to have that kind of compassion upon us, that he would care for us, to be moved by our need. And we recognize that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And that God knew that. God saw that. And God acted. That in Romans 5.8 it says, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't clean up our act. We didn't get better. We didn't sort of prove ourselves to him. No. While we were in sin and error pining, that's when Christ was born. And that's when Christ died for us. But it's also when he rose again in victory over that sin and conquered it. And it is gone forever. And... So within kind of this sense of thinking about need and whether we need compassion, I don't know if you've ever, like, have ever been around somebody that says, like, I don't need anything for Christmas. Like that, that kind of thing. Ah, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't need anything. This is the worst. Okay, don't do that. Don't ever be that person that's like, no, 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 I don't need anything for Christmas. Because it totally robs the giver of the gifts of the joy that's supposed to be there. Plus, like Christmas presents aren't supposed to be about what you need. Christmas presents aren't like me, you giving me like a grocery list or a list of errands to run for you to go buy something for you. That's not what a Christmas gift is about. Like a Christmas gift is to bring something to give joy and to do something sort of above and beyond for someone. And you know, that's even why sometimes I think for like immediate family or the very, very, very closest people, it's like never, never get a gift card. I mean, you might disagree with me. This could be controversial, but it's like gift cards, that's, they're an awesome gift. I love getting gift cards. But like for my immediate family, if I just bought like three gift cards and I'm just done, no, that's not what they want. We want to be able to give them something that is, that is beautiful and not just needed, but wanted and, and given ultimate joy in. And it's so fun. And sometimes I think, our pride is what gets in the way when we think, I don't need anything. No, I'm fine. And so we, we need to be careful to not have a spiritual pride that says, well, I don't need forgiveness. I don't need to repent or something. That's, that's when we will find ourselves not being forgiven because we need to be able to come before our God with a deep sense of our need that we need Jesus. Now, when I realize that I'm a sinner, when I realize that I'm depraved, like that can sometimes lead maybe to feelings of shame or feeling this just this sense that, that you're just a terrible, awful person or something. Now, it's important to know that our sin leads to destruction. It does. Our sin will lead us to, to earthly destruction and consequences here and also to ultimate destruction. But it's also super important for us to understand God's posture towards us when it comes to our sin. That God has a posture towards us that isn't like wanting to put shame on us or to put us down for that. It, it is displayed, I think, in its best way in this verse, Isaiah 30, 18. This is one of my favorite verses, like of all verses in the Bible, and I've, I've actually read it a lot to Calvary Church. I love this verse, Isaiah 30, 18. It says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. That God wants to give you grace. So you're in your sin and error pining, and you've got God longing 
to give you that grace and you've got him rising up. And it's the sort of imagery that I always feel with this is it's like God's on the edge of his seat and God's just kind of on the edge of his seat waiting to come and to suffer with you, to be with you, to forgive you, to give you that grace. And it even kind of reminds me of the, the prodigal son story. And at the very end, when the father, you kind of, I sort of imagine like the father sitting on his front porch, right? Um, if it's even like a, some sort of like house in the country or something, right, today. And the father's sitting on his front porch and he's relaxing. And the son is, is on his way back and he's been practicing this whole speech to, to apologize to his father and kind of just take some terrible job working for his dad. And, and the father like sees somebody out in the distance and it's kind of, he's been leaning back and he kind of starts to sit up like, who is that out there? And he's just kind of on the edge of his seat looking. And then when he sees it's his son, his eyes are just big and he just bursts out of his chair and is bolting and running for his son. And before his son can even get the speech out of apology, he's wrapped up in this huge bear hug and loved and forgiven and a party has started. And that's God's posture towards you and your sin. You might feel shame, but God says, no, 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 I, I want to run to you. I long to give you this grace. And what sounds kind of crazy is I long to suffer with you because that's what compassion means. He came to suffer with us. And that's what Christmas is about, that Jesus came to live. He came to live on this earth, not just to die, but to live and to know us and to know us in our deepest needs. So why do we need compassion? We need compassion because the wages of sin is death. And Jesus has come to pay that price for you, for me, for all of us. So I encourage you to respond to Jesus in that compassion, to receive compassion from him. But also this whole month, we want to be talking to you about ways that we can live out God's compassion. And so we've got an opportunity for us to be able to respond with compassion in this Christmas season. And one of the cool things, the way we can do that is through an incredible organization called Compassion International. And so we are going to have an opportunity here in 2020. Yes, even in 2020, and I would say especially in 2020, to be able to sponsor kids living in extreme poverty. There's 2 million of them around the world. But we have an opportunity for, there's 250 children living in Guatemala, in a similar region of Guatemala, that we have a chance as a church to sponsor. And what I just long for and hope for is that we would be able to sponsor all 250 of those kids. And then we have a chance to enter relationship with them. Um, and it's really frankly too, it's, it's been worse. It's been harder for them in 2020, as you might imagine, when it comes to giving or donors dropping off and people you know, just not giving in that same way to these kids. And so there's a great need. And so even if we are in moments where we don't feel as sure of our financial situation, I want to encourage us to step 
forward in boldness and in generosity and with compassion for these kids. Now, let me first, before I get into that a little bit more, because we'll, we'll have a big opportunity for this next week, but um, I want to kind of just get us thinking about it now. A couple more verses about the compassion of Jesus that I want to have sort of frame the way you think about even this opportunity. This one, Mark 6:34 says, when Jesus landed from his, from his boat, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he saw people that didn't have leadership, that didn't have guidance, that didn't have what shepherds do for sheep to protect them, to feed them, to help guide them in, in, in what they need to survive and to live, right? Like that's what Jesus saw them without and he was deeply moved. He had compassion to suffer with them, to be with them and help them. And so that can be our same posture that we see kids out there that are like sheep without a shepherd and we can help to provide that for them. Also Mark 1.41 it says, moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. This was a leper. And he said to him, I am willing to heal you. Be cleansed. So what we see actually in this story that's interesting is this word that gets translated as compassion in our English Bible is this Greek word orgizo, which actually means to be angry. That in this case... Jesus was moved with this anger, kind of a righteous anger that was this compassionate, righteous anger that this person was so afflicted by leprosy. And he came and, and he made a difference. He helped change his life. And so for us to think about like, in what way are we deeply moved when we see something like people that are like sheep without a shepherd? And sometimes is there, are there things that we're angry about? A righteous anger at an at a injustice in this world that we need to do something about. We need to act. It's not just an emotional word. It's an active word. Something that requires participation and action. And so that's the way I want us to kind of think about when we think about these kids in Guatemala. I had the opportunity, I've been sponsoring a kid named Franklin uh, for a while, and I had the opportunity a little less than a year ago to go to Guatemala on a trip with compassion. And because I've been, I'll, I'll be real with you here too, like I, I've been kind of skeptical of these sorts of like sponsor child programs over the years. And I've like kind of wondered what's the real impact. But compassion's the real deal. I mean, I know some of these others might be real deals too, but compassion is super the real deal, that they are completely focused on children in extreme poverty. Like I said, there's 2 million of these kids around the world. But what's even cooler, I think, is that they exclusively work with the local church and with local people. This isn't just a bunch of people from America going in to save the day. You go to Guatemala and the head of Compassion Guatemala is a Guatemalan. The, the regional directors are Guatemalans. And then it's pastors of the church and then directors of these little centers that are all Guatemalans that all uh, have these jobs working to help these kids, to give them education, health, uh, training, food, uh, and the gospel, to be learning about Jesus and to have a community. And what you see, these incredible stories of them being raised up and having opportunities in their life that they would never have before, but especially the opportunity to know about Jesus and to be saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by God's compassion. 
Now, I don't know about for you, but sometimes when I think about 2 million people, it's kind of like there's this whole study of uh, something called psychic numbing, that as the amount of numbers in a tragedy increase, our compassion decreases because we sort of just don't have the capacity to process or care for or understand something like 2 million people. It's like our brains protecting ourselves from the, from the, just the massive like, impact that can have on, on us as people, as we kind of hear that news. And so sometimes we'll be a lot more moved by the story of one, or sometimes we get more moved by the story of like some dog that's been like hit by a car and it's like trying to get to help and you see some hero come in and save it and you're just like crying. And you'll be crying over the story of that dog, but then you'll hear me say, there's two million children living in extreme poverty and you just kind of, it just sort of goes by you, right? So we need to be able to take this and think about the one. And like, I had this incredible opportunity on this trip to meet Franklin, that I came to this center and I walked up and in this moment that you can see here in this picture of like me being able to go to this center and meet little Franklin and he sort of shyly and nervously walks up to me and holds my hands and I gave him these little matchbox cars and we hung out and played with them and I met his mom and his mom was fiercely protective of him and kind of stern-faced for a while and then she opened up and he was playing soccer and uh, this little you know just this little patch of dirt and you could see him get competitive and uh, you know kind of coming out of his shell in that way and the thing is is little Franklin this kid that's so awesome and so precious and so cute. I mean, he just lives with, with nothing, you know? It's like a kind of a home with pallets for walls and not much, just him and his mom. And he just, just doesn't have much. And that's, you, can, you, you can have a hard time really getting yourself into where he is, but he wouldn't have opportunity for anything if it weren't for compassion. If it weren't for compassion from people, and if it weren't for this organization of compassion to help him and to work in his life. And you get to write letters and you even have the opportunity to visit. It'd be so cool if we could adopt, like sponsor all of these 250 kids in Guatemala and as a church be able to go and to every few years go visit or something. You know, we got to figure that out. But the other thing I love about compassion is that there's this letter writing back and forth. It's a relationship with one. Because it's hard to care for two million, but you can care for one financially and then relationally as well. So I just ask you to pray. And I ask you to consider this. Because we go back to the incarnation of Jesus. That Jesus came to this earth because of his compassion. Because he was deeply moved, he wanted to come and suffer with us. So will you engage in some small way of kind of entering into relationship, not just giving money, but entering into relationship with a child in Guatemala. And so you can find out more at calvarylife.org slash compassion and even see kids there that you can sponsor. And next Sunday, we'll even have the opportunity with packets here in person and things like that. So uh, that can all be done online or, or in person here at Calvary. But I think that if we can practice compassion, we can also kind of understand compassion from God. As we display compassion, we can have a glimpse into what God's suffering with us is all about. Because Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered for us. We remember at Christmas his birth, 
but we need to remember on a monthly, weekly, daily basis his death. That Jesus' death was what accomplished that work of, of defeating death itself. And so that's this practice of communion that we celebrate. And so we have an opportunity now, and I encourage you to grab elements that you might have in your home if you haven't done that yet or wherever you are, some, some juice, some bread. It could be anything that you have. It really doesn't exactly matter as long as we remember. Jesus calls us to remember and he calls us to give thanks. And so we express that to him, that we know he came to suffer with us, and he did. He suffered greatly upon that cross. And that was him suffering even for us. And so we remember that, and we have just such deep gratitude for that. And we also recognize that there's something beautiful and kind of spiritual and supernatural that we can't understand, that this is a sacred moment in the life of the church as we remember through communion. And so we take the bread and we hold on to it and we consider it. We consider carefully Jesus and we remember what he said when it says that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take together. And then we take the cup. And we remember what Jesus said. That he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. He says, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So as you take, as you drink, remember Jesus' suffering with you and for you. Jesus, we remember. We remember how you came to earth and you suffered with us. Lord, thank you that you know what it's like to be one of us. That you didn't just sit on high in your throne room in heaven and fix it all from afar. I don't know why you chose to do it this way, Lord, but thank you. Thank you that you came to suffer with us and for us. Lord, I pray that we would be deeply moved by that. Lord, I thank you that you were deeply moved by our need for forgiveness, for deliverance, for redemption. So God, we we remember and we give you thanks. And I pray, Lord, that you would in some way just instill in us a heart that understands your compassion for us and is willing is willing to show and give and display compassion to others Lord whether that's people in our life or if that's people across the world God we pray for that 
In Jesus' name, amen. So we thank you for worshiping with us today, this Christmas season here at Calvary. We encourage you to continue to learn more about what compassion is by joining us next Sunday. Uh, Next Sunday you can join us again on our live stream here in this way, or you can come and join us in person out on the patio where we'll have live human in person in front of you, worship leaders and preachers sharing with you about that as well as next Sunday. We want to really give you that full opportunity to be able to sponsor a child this Christmas. We'll have packets available here in person, but you can also, again, online, calvarylife.org slash child or compassion, however you want to get there, that you can even look on there today, right now, if you want to start sponsoring a child in Guatemala with me, with us together and kind of join in on that mission that we can have together as a church. You can scroll through there. You can see their little faces on that screen of these kids that you can give that love and support to as well. So thank you for being part of that. Thank you for praying through this. I want to pray and thank God for this time that we've had today as well as praying this blessing over you as we've had this blessing of hearing from God of the gift of his compassion. So let's pray together. Oh, Almighty God, again, we, we thank you for your compassion. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for Christmas. Thank you for the, the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that we can experience as we kind of practice this sense of waiting for you to come. Lord, thank you for in a, a dark time, we have this gift of, of Christmas and this gift of compassion to, to lift our spirits and to focus our eyes in on you and to take our eyes off our troubles and the wind and the waves of this world, but to fix them just solely on you, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts of how we can respond in compassion. If it's through sponsoring these kids or some other way that you place on our hearts, God, I pray you'd minister to us now in that and inspire us now in that, Lord. So I pray this blessing over you. Just prepare yourself to receive this blessing from God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he lift his countenance to you and may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, the Prince of Peace, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day. God bless.